0: The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station.
1: Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy. And that her kids turned out great. And that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey. And her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's the Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian Mcnenny. May the words
2: of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight O lord my rock and my redeemer psalm 19 verse 14 good evening and good afternoon welcome to the sociable homeschooler my name is vivian McNenny, and i'm thrilled or should i say we're thrilled because i have a cold with me to be with you today to offer homeschool homeschooling insights and delights from our household where god is present in every nook and cranny especially when i'm not looking I blamed the pollen last week for how I felt but I now believe I have a cold. Hopefully the health index in our household will be on the mend this week. We're all worn out with coughing. Each week I entice an unsuspecting hugely fascinating person to join me for part of the show. I offer intangibles like social media exposure, I would hand round plates of cake or biscuits and pour cups of tea if I was face-to-face honest. My fearless guests join me anyway to talk about aspects of family life which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child-rearing above their highest joy. My guest today is Spencer farris um one of larry farris's sons and i really at this point don't know very much about him except he was homeschooled and is very talented so we'll look forward to that after the first break on the home front i'll be talking about my new computer tree surgeons more obedience and the business of showing our flat so so Settle down and join me. I've a cup of tea and a cherry bake tart, so let's start my weekend off with a pre-dinner snack. Before I go any further, I got your email, Tina, about a possible t- trip to my fair shores and things to do while visiting. I've not forgotten you, just ill and busy at the moment. Upon meditating on how we reacted to the examples of obedience that my nuns at school showed us, I was chastened to discover inside my heart that we were so caught up in ourselves and getting through days and weeks without our parents, I don't think we thought too much about what was happening in our teachers' lives. I had the immature notion that Adults have choices and once they get through childhood they never have to do anything they don't want to do unless they commit themselves to martyrdom must have been an example I'd seen at home. I had no concept of the responsibilities adulthood brought. All that came later. Before we go further with my story of Sister Bernard, I'd like to review a couple of the vows nuns are expected to take for life. Vows I knew by rope back then, but didn't fully understand as a young girl. The vow of poverty leads a nun to imitate Jesus, who for our sake became poor, although he was rich. It helps her to be poor in spirit, as well as in fact and to live a life of labour and moderation. By the vow of poverty she gives up the right to control or benefit from personal property and commits herself to live interdependently within a community according to its constitutions. I felt that was what I was doing from the first day my parents committed me to the convent and swapped my freedom for school fees. For a nun, not me, the purpose of this vow is to free her from being fascinated by material things so that she may be free to serve others i wasn't prepared to relinquish my fascination for material things i'd hardly had any experience in that respect and was longing to achieve untold wealth and possessions okay i could serve others if there was something in it for me see we were selfish the vow of obedience leads the nun to imitate the obedience of jesus christ by seeking god's will for her and obeying her lawful superiors according to the constitutions of her particular group yeah lots of laws going on here as a member of her religious community she searches for the will of god not in arbitrary commands but in prayerful reflection and dialogue with others i had no idea what seeking god's will meant or how to be in prayerful reflection but i hoped neither meant having to do something unpleasant i knew what obeying superiors mint and the rules of the group as pupils we were also under the thumb of reverend mother and with these two vows alone our potential to grow into bright young things with independent ideas was utterly smothered our jolly hockey stick sister bernard also gave music lessons when she came in from the playing fields these took place in the music room located at the top of a minor tower in the main manor house. The room was crammed full of music stands with instruments on the floor in their cases or not, depending on their size. It was definitely not a good room to traverse if you were a gangly teenager who hadn't yet learned how to control her body, which I was. I dreaded navigating the music room to get to my spot at the upright piano squeezed into a small alcove with just enough room for a bench on which Sister Bernard and I would sit. I knew I'd knock over a music stand, hit the cymbals, or trip over the cello as I made my way to my lesson. I tried very hard not to, but my cardi and elbows were good at snagging things. She'd reprimand me in front of the student whose lesson was before mine and make me blush. I'd stand awkward next to the piano patiently waiting my turn willing the color in my face to subside and dreading the upcoming lesson my parents had enrolled me in because it was very apropos to be able to tinkle on the keys. My paternal grandmother and her sister each had uprights that we would play on when we visited but neither my brother nor I had much of an ear and couldn't even pick out a simple tune why my parents thought I had shown any talent at all on the piano was beyond me. Now, ballet was something else. I'd been scouted by the Joffrey Ballet while taking class that first summer in Beirut. and my teacher was all excited that one of her students, after only six months instruction, had been singled out at a possibility for their junior company. My mother, when approached by My teacher listened patiently and politely, and when we got home, roundly told me that no daughter of hers was going to be a common hoofer. There endeth my career on the stage, Mrs. Robinson. Curiously, they did allow me my ballet lessons once a week at school, and I starred in all the end-of-year operettas. I suppose they thought I was safe from the world of show business in my convent buried deep in the English countryside. I digress. When my turn for piano came, I'd take my seat next to her on the stool and she would peer at my music and force me to keep time by playing the same notes I was attempting, only an octave or two lower than written, as loudly as she could while I stumbled through my pieces. I could hardly hear what I was playing with the metronome clacking and her foot tapping. She had a temper to match her energy and rapped my knuckles countless times when I played a wrong note or two during my lessons. A really good environment to learn how to play the piano. For some reason, probably connected to the conditions under which I learned, I left school after six years of daily practice in the cabins, a corridor that had been cunningly divided into cubicles the size of an upright piano and a stool, and all my exams that I passed up to grade nine without unlocking the mysteries of piano playing or even being able to play a single piece from beginning to end with any kind of feeling or fumbling. This dismayed my parents, who had an unreal expectation that I should be able to play quite respectably, even though I neither had the talent or the interest to do so. I think I won the game of obedience here, though. I did what I was told to do, but no fruit was born. At some late age in her life, Sister Bernard learned how to drive. She must have been quite old, but we never knew her true age. After passing her test, she started a fierce campaign to raise money for a minivan. After all, what use was a driving license without a vehicle to drive? There must have been a few wealthy old girls, and by old, I mean simply ex-Thorntonians, who supported her generously because it only took a year or so to take possession of a second-hand serviceable than. She was in seventh heaven and took much pride in her possession, so much so that I was afraid she was in danger of breaking her vow of poverty, the one about not to control or benefit from personal property. Unfortunately, she had several minor accidents caused in part by her restricted peripheral vision due to the elaborate old French-style wimple she had to wear. That- completely framed her face and i also suspect it had something to do with her age after less than a year a number of concerned parents raised the alarm that she was not to be trusted with their daughters and she was banned from driving us to town and other non-educational venues this put a spanner in the works of our newfound freedom because she was a pushover when it came to ferrying us around she would drop everything if it meant she could get behind the wheel i knew even in my selfish fog how difficult it must have been for her to receive the ban on driving that reverend mother imposed on her in pure selfishness we empathized with her and questioned her silent obedience we were annoyed that our relative freedom had been cut off before it really had a chance to get started three nuns who on reflection taught me valuable lessons on how to obey in the small things so God could ask me if I made eye contact to be obedient in the big things. I didn't want to be asked to do the big things so I tried ignoring God. I didn't know then that that doesn't work. I had plans for myself once I'd been released from my parents grasp in the convent. The three kind soft-hearted women I've just told you about were the exception in their community i'm very sorry to say there were times especially when i was older my school seemed to me to be full of power mad jealous bitter single women in black who'd fall on their knees at the end of the day begging god's forgiveness for what was it that they had done to deserve 125 thorns in their sights and could he please remove them of course in the morning much to their dismay we were still there and struggled persisted when i arrived at the convent to live it didn't take me long to realize i'd landed right in the middle of an obedience jungle i couldn't get away with anything the nuns didn't care if i threw a tent because i wasn't theirs i belonged to someone who lived across the seas and far far away the nuns also knew that with a host of golden peers around me i would eventually capitulate the thought of making an exhibition of myself lo- Locked in a fearsome embrace with anger would lose me precious popularity points with my contemporaries. So at school, I obeyed for fear of reprimands and consequences. As I was given more responsibility, I obeyed out of a sense of duty. But from the beginning, I obeyed to gain approval nods from my peers. Almost time to go on a break, but I have to say that our trees are being trimmed out here in the garden. You may hear the hum of the chainsaws and hedge trimmers in the background. The men came out at about 8 o'clock this morning and have been at it all morning and um, they've barely been here two hours when one of the residents showed up with tea and biscuits and they took a break, which is exactly what I'm having to do now. So come back.
1: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Why is religion such a thorny issue in our society and the world? And why has religion often become a source to divide people rather than unite? Frank Talk with Dr. Ajaz is a forum for civil dialogue on religion and wellness on at Radio. Dr. Ajaz Nakvi invites leaders and activists from all walks of life and faith to engage in a civil discussion on religion and current events. Join us for Frank Talk with Dr. Ajaz every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Second chances. We all deserve them. And we are all worthy of them. Second chances. With your host, Midge Noble. Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central on TogiNet is like coming home to warm, fresh-baked cookies, a hug from Grandma, or an enthusiastic greeting from your dog. Second Chances, hosted by Midge Noble, a licensed professional counselor, is affirming, warm, genuine, validating, and thought-provoking. Second Chances is a place to be heard, a place to laugh, a place to cry, and a place to be seen. For more on Midge and Second Chances, check out MidgeNobleSecondChances.com. Then be a part of a show that will change how you think, how you feel, and what you do. Give yourself the gift of second chances and see where it will take you. So take a deep breath, open your heart, open your mind, and join host Midge Noble for Second Chances. Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now, back to your host, Vivian McNenny.
2: Well, this afternoon, I'm thrilled to welcome Spencer Farris, um, who is um, Larry Farris' son. Larry and I have spoken a couple of times times um, over the past few years, and we, we've talked about why he started homeschooling, and um, he has some strong opinions on, you know, what what you should be teaching your homeschooler in high school and worrying about, you know, teaching the right thing or the wrong thing. And so, for a change, I am going to be talking to Spencer, who can give us a perspective from the other side. Welcome, Spencer. Hi, Vivian. Thanks a lot. All right, Spencer. So, um, first off, I know there are three boys. So, what number boy are you?
0: I'm the first. I'm the guinea pig.
2: Oh, you're the oldest.
0: Okay. That I am, yeah. Okay. So, I'm 22 right now. And then I have a uh, brother who's 20. He just turned 20 last week. And our youngest brother is 18.
2: Okay. So, one of those brothers was was abroad. For a couple of years. Was that
0: you? That was me. I was in Brazil um, from, oh, the, from, from January 2010 through December 2011.
2: Okay. Oh, good. Well, we can talk about that because that's almost two years. I remember the first time I spoke to your dad, you were getting ready to go, I think. And then I connected with him again, knowing that you were getting ready to come home or were, were home. So, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that's you. Yeah, that sounds about right. Tell all right. So first off, tell me um, how you first um, were exposed to homeschooling, and and how did it happen in your family?
0: Okay. Um, Honestly, the first time I ever enrolled in a public school was when I was 17, and I wanted to do just some more social stuff. And there were some programs actually at the high school that I wanted, Um, but. I was exposed to homeschooling from basically the moment I was born.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My parents taught me to, what, to brush my teeth, to walk, to talk, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. go to the bathroom, to tie my shoes. And it really started from there. Uh, mm-hmm. They looked around. You probably spoke with my dad about um, us having lived in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And that there were just some, there were some issues in, in the way my dad had grown up and my mom had grown up and just a different level of interaction they wanted with myself and my brothers so they actually decided to homeschool us before we were even born so that was right off the bat for me
2: oh right okay and um so um your father tells a story about how you wintered in um, mexico in an rv Mm -hmm. and homeschooling was, you know, the, the, he he said that, you know, he homeschooled you obviously in the RV, so decide to take it a step further so you ended up spending a lot more time in the RV than you had originally anticipated. Can you tell me about that period?
0: Um, yeah, I don't know much about the decisions on how long we stayed there and that sort of thing. I was seven, mm-hmm. so I have some memories, but the actual decisions I wasn't exactly involved in, but you know, we were homeschooled and my mom was our teacher and our dad was our teacher and our principal. So wherever we went, we just took our books with us. We were using um, spectrum reading and uh, at first spectrum math as well. We moved over to facts and math after a while. But mm-hmm. you just grab your books and you go and mm-hmm. um, you have your classic literature. We read, oh, what did we read? We read boss children and hardy boys and um charles dickens and tolkien i remember reading tolkien before i remember reading hobbin lord of the Rings before i was 10 and those were our book reports
1: yeah and
0: yeah. we we had our notebooks with us if we ran out of paper it, there's paper everywhere you go down to the, to the fedex the ups equivalent down there you buy more paper and we Just continue to our homeschooling. So while in the RV park, while in the RV, you grab your book, you grab your paper, mom sits down, you read the lessons together, you do the lessons. You're Mm -hmm. doing the learning just as well in Mexico, as in Costa Rica, as in I've had friends in Ireland and South Africa and Malaysia or the United States.
2: Okay, so you didn't just travel around the United States, you went, did you go to Costa Rica?
0: It, um, we wintered in Costa Rica in 95 mm-hmm. and then in Mexico in 97. All right. So um,
2: I know your father always says that traveling is probably one of the best educations that anyone can get. Do you agree with that?
0: I would wholeheartedly agree.
2: Um, did your mother ta- did she tailor any of your, um, you know, um classes to the area that you were in at that time
0: oh yes um so you have heard of you've heard of our trip around the united states then
2: mm-hmm. yes
0: um and so we were going to go visit the village that saca was from okay and our history lessons for the two weeks leading up to that point were about saca and the lewis and clark expedition and Things that were happening around the Lewis and Clark era. Um, there's those books, The World of George Washington, The World of, I think, Abraham Lincoln, The World of Books, and they talk about what was going on, not just that instant, but what was going on in the world during that time period. So mm-hmm. we would focus our history lessons and we would find books written by or about them, and those were, our, uh, the books we read for that time. So, Definitely. And if there were any significant um, geological sites, we would visit those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we definitely, wherever we were, we were studying our normal lessons. But they were either tailored to the area or we were studying additional information about that area, yeah.
2: right. So at that time, did you have computers?
0: No, not really. We We finally got a laptop in... uh, late 2004 but other than that it was all good old pen and paper
2: all right so um you spent a lot of time traveling did and so can you remember how much time you actually spent at home
0: um definitely we were home a lot we would take large we would take significant trips so we would leave for two weeks every other month but for the rest of the time yeah we, we were home definitely. During
2: the rest of the time, right? So you'd leave for two weeks every couple of months or every other month, and so you knew when you, as you were getting older, that there was a difference between, you know, sort of living at home with much more space and living in an RV with not quite so much space. So how did this um, affect sibling rivalry and um, space issues? Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Sure. We, obviously, when you're in the RV, there's basically two bedrooms, one for mom and dad and one for the boys, right? Yeah. And I'm not sure what the mindset was behind the decision, but I have only had my own room for one year now. Even when I got back from Brazil, I was still sharing a room with my brothers. So we all shared the same room, even when we were little, all through that time, there was no separation of this is yours this is yours this is yours um so when we went into the rv there wasn't any there wasn't any difference it was still just this is our room it's a smaller room but it's still our room and this is our house and this is our stuff yeah yeah
2: yeah that sounds good so and did you get on did the three of you get on
0: i was great um there was some there were there, there's some issues between the, the the younger two, but they resolved themselves. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, for the most part, we definitely did, definitely did. We were using the same school books. We had the same friends. Uh-huh. There was a lot that was similar.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so in general, would you say that you're you know sort of more of the. Um, more, are you a typical older sibling or oldest sibling? I mean, are you more independent, more level-headed, you know, more sensible than your, than your brothers?
0: I would say so. I would say yeah, so. Sure uh, would. I, I, I don't want to say that from a arrogant and prideful and looking down on them standpoint, but uh-huh. there's definitely some differences in, in responsibilities that have to be given to the eldest sibling mm-hmm. as things start moving along. Yeah, I had to take responsibility for more duties around the house, and I had to be in a, a position where my parents could delegate authority to me to tell my brothers to do something. And yeah. that had to be respected, not for me, but because I was the messenger from my parents. So I definitely yeah. did grow up with that, yeah.
2: Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. Now tell me, um, out of all the subjects that you um, took at school, um, which one... Which one did you shine at? Which what, what was your most interesting and and you know sort of the one that you followed with a passion?
0: Math and computers, primarily computers. Mm-hmm. And
2: so, um, were your parents were your parents equipped, pretty well equipped to be able to um, you know sort of move you forward in in that degree?
0: On math, yes, for a while, and yeah. on computers. No, no. <laughs> on, okay, on the so, computer side, I I was basically self-taught in everything.
2: Okay, so you did that yourself. You didn't actually take any class outside.
0: Um, we were involved in homeschool co-op groups. Mm-hmm. So if one mom or one parent, if they had great understanding of one subject, they would teach it. Um, and that was true when we lived in Oregon, and now that we've lived in Arizona, we have them. In both, yeah. so in Oregon, I did take a few web programming, computer design, and uh, just general computer programming classes through that homeschool co-op. There were a few of the okay. parents that that was their job, so yeah. they came and taught us kids how to do that.
2: Yeah, that's good. That's good. And as far as you know, you you um, being passionate about your math and your computer, did you did you go to college?
0: Yes. Okay. Um, I this, this actually turned out. We thought it was a pretty unique experience at the time, but that was because we had just moved to Arizona and didn't have as much interaction with other kids here in Arizona yet. But I tested and entered the community college when I was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I whenever I say that, people are always like, "Oh, wow! So you've already graduated, right?" No. Yeah. So, Unfortunately, because we didn't know any, we didn't know anyone else that had done that. And again, that's just because we didn't have the interactions yet. Now I know lots of people that they've started their college uh, experience when they were 13, 14, or 15. So so we have to a short
2: break. We'll be back in okay. just a moment. <laughs>
1: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose at all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? We'll pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. here on Tugging Net Radio. Like many women, finding balance in life and time to take care of yourself is hard to do. Between managing a career and marriage and children and a busy family schedule, it's hard to maintain a sense of self. And Heather shares how she does it. Check out Heather's website, BasilMama.com. Join us for food and a whole lot more on Around the Kitchen Sink with your host, Heather Tallman. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Central on toginet.com.
2: The Mary Beth Wells Hour is a talk radio show where we reach out, reach deep, and talk about topics of substance. We'll cover points of interest such as World War II and the Holocaust, the Vietnam War, the planets and the oceans, skydiving, rock climbing, and much, much more. Join me every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we delve into and discuss fascinating subjects. It's a program to pique your interest for sure.
1: to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney.
2: Spencer, we were talking about you going to college, to the community college at 14. And since you didn't know anybody else who had done that until a little bit afterwards, things were a little bit different. So carry on with your story.
0: Okay, good to be back. Um, I basically just, yeah, we didn't know that a 14-year-old could handle the course load of college. So people have asked, oh, you've already graduated. But really I was only taking one to two classes a semester, Mm -hmm. and then I took a break to just fully work so that I could raise the money to go on that trip to Brazil. Okay. So I'm still – I have now about the credits of an associate's degree, but Mm -hmm. no, there's no degree behind my my coursework as of yet. But now I know –
2: uh, you still, sorry, you still have plenty of time to do that because um, my children did the same thing. We sent them to community college and they got their associates and then they moved on. But I think you did um, something a little bit different after you got your associates. So, will you tell us what brought you to the decision to go to Brazil for a couple of years?
0: Certainly. Um, I was thinking saying one, sorry, just a slight correction there. I, I, I just barely finished enough credits for my associates. I do not okay. have an associate. I just have some credit. Um yeah. okay. I was in Brazil as a missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I don't know what the protocol is here, if I'm allowed to say names of churches and stuff like that. So see, I was yes, a missionary. You can. <laughs> what? You can. You can. You can. Okay. I, I was a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh-huh. Um, And I was sent to St. Paul, Brazil for those two years. Basically, um, anyone who's familiar with members of the Church, Mormons, as we're often known, um, at 19, now 18, most of the young men will dedicate two years of their lives and serve a mission, wherever they're called. Uh, That's true of young women as well. Many of them will. uh, There aren't as many they are as obligated to go, but many of the young men feel a sense of duty towards going and being a missionary and preaching, and we don't really choose where we're going to go. So uh, my younger brother, the 20-year-old, he's in Michigan right now, also on a mission. Our youngest brother, who's 18, is leaving in a month, he will be going to Tallahassee, Florida, again, for a mission. So none of those were our choice of where we were going. Our choice was just, yes, I'm going to go on a mission, Send uh-huh. me where you would like to. Yeah.
2: So you say that um, most young men serve two years of their lives mm-hmm. doing this. Now, can they, what, what's the age range? I mean, do you have to do it, you know, to 18 or 20? Can you wait a little bit?
0: Yeah. There, there's encouragement to go as soon as possible, simply because the longer you wait, the harder it is to put your life on hold and go. As you get older, you start getting involved with, well, young women and wanting to get married and Uh finishing your college and getting a career and that sort of thing? So the earlier you leave, the less difficult it is to give everything up. But no, you can go now when you're 18, and I believe the age limit is about 26, is the oldest that you can go as a single male.
2: Okay, and then you could go, you say a single male. So could you go as a married couple?
0: Yes, There's many uh, older married couples that go generally once their children have left the house and they're pretty well almost retired in their career where, again, they can just dedicate every moment of every day to that service.
2: Okay. Um, All right. So you made this decision that you were going to do this at 20, right? 20 because you did it for two years. I I left when I was 19 when I was 19, 18, I like, 18, 19.
0: Yeah. I think,
2: yeah. Yeah. And you weren't told where you were going to go. So how did you feel about when you found out you were going to Brazil?
0: I was ecstatic. I was so excited. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my dad had actually done the same and he was also called to Brazil. We served in very different parts of the country, but we both went to Brazil and it was just exciting for me to know. I mean, I would have been excited had I been called to Utah or Idaho or New Jersey. It didn't matter. But going abroad, that was cool in itself. Speaking another language, a hard language, that was pretty cool. And then the idea that I was going to the same country my dad served in, that just popped it all off. That was awesome. So
2: tell me about the language. Portuguese is
0: I have heard it described as the most difficult of all romantic languages to learn. So I'm, I'm sure that uh, those who have served in other countries would probably want to tell me differently, but from professors and Brazilians, I have heard that Portuguese is the most difficult of Portuguese, Spanish, French, Italian, mm-hmm. uh, and Romanian, those Romance Latin-based languages. Um, it's
2: tough.
0: It is really so did, tough. I, did what?
2: you have to learn? Did you have to learn some a conversational Portuguese at least?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, at this point, I'm totally fluent in Portuguese. I gained mm-hmm. partial fluency at about four months in the country. And I was fully fluent by the time I had been there eight months. Wow. Um, yeah, for, for nine weeks. We study in the Mission Training Center in, in Utah, mm-hmm. and a lot of that time is dedicated just to learning the basics of the language. Um, and then you're always paired with another young man who's been there a lot longer, frequently, a native. So you're always hearing it. You're always studying it. You're always absorbing it. Uh-huh.
2: All right. I'm always interested in the social, um, you know, sort of aspect of the society mm-hmm. that you're in. So, tell me, tell me what the living setup was when you got there.
0: Um, on your mission, on my mission, there's a few different setups that they have depending on the number of members and affluency in the area and that sort of thing. But we were each each set of two missionaries. Had an apartment or a small rented house. Um, we lived there. We cared for it. We bought our own food. We cooked. Um, we weren't in the house all that often. We were there on a mission. We weren't there to sit around the house. So, from basically ten thirty or eleven in the morning until nine or nine thirty at night, we were out on the street. Um, talking with absolutely everybody we could find. We would shake hands on the street, we would knock doors, we would talk to people in the restaurants and the bookstores and wherever we went, we were talking with people. The living accommodations, yeah, we, we had to eat for ourselves and yeah. learn how to cook and how to hopefully survive on something better than ramen noodles for two years.
2: And <laughs> I- did you do a lot of walking or was there other forms of transportation
0: in a lot of missions there's bikes mm-hmm. and in several missions there's also cars in my mission we had to walk 12 to 15 miles a day there were no cars and no bikes available to us. Wow so I wore
2: through
0: I, I wore basically to nothing three pairs of shoes while I was there Wow so
2: do you, um, how do you map out where you're going to go, or does somebody do that for you?
0: Sorry, can you that again?
2: How do you decide where you're going to go when you've arrived and you're going to go mm-hmm. off for 12 to 15 miles a day? How do you decide where you're going to go? Do you do that yourself, or does somebody tell you?
0: Gotcha. Um, we're divided into separate areas. So I would have an area of, oh... Three miles by seven miles, something like that. Uh-huh. And, yeah, we would have to decide, my companion and I, we would have to decide every day where we were going to go. We had a nightly planning session. Um, during that time, we would we would mostly base where we were going that day based on what appointments we had already set up. So, as I said, we talked with absolutely everybody. We would knock doors and shake hands and talk to people on the street and we would ask if we could come to their homes and and teach them and talk with them and share with them the gospel message that we had. And those who said yes, and we would ask them to mark a time. So we would say, all right, can we come to your house Thursday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Uh-huh. And once that person has said, yeah, you can come over at that time, we would try to center all the rest of our appointments and our contact activities around that area. All right. So we're already how... gonna be walking we're already gonna be walking a lot. We don't wanna make that any more than it has to be. Yes.
2: So how how do you do you have to be courageous to go out and do this? I know knocking on doors, did you get many doors slammed in your face?
0: I have been uh, I've had doors slammed in my face, I've had people yell at me, I've been swore at, I've seen weapons brandished. Yeah, you'll get pretty courageous to go out there. Um, I've never, I've rarely heard of anything like wrong, it's not like it's actually, oh no, my boy is out there and just going to get killed. No, but there is definitely a level of courage in being okay, going out, and being bold in the message. Yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah, I would imagine because just the small things that I've done, like for example, a few weeks ago, I'm I'm here in London, I had to help, well, I volunteered to help man a um, stall at this market that was in our little local town on the green and and hand out, just talk about our church, which is a majestic, beautiful, almost cathedral Anglican church that has been there since
0: oh, that's wonderful. the
2: 11th century. Yeah, And so it's right that's there. Wonderful. It's like a focal point. Yeah, it's a focal point of the town. So we were just offering um, little pieces of information to people as they walked past. We didn't find it easy. And these were our neighbors. I can't imagine going to a foreign country for two years.
0: Yeah, and it's really fun when you don't really know the language yet. Yes. yes. <laughs> You're standing on the door and stumbling through the language. Yeah. But yeah. that that's where it's best to make that kind of decision early. It's as I said, n- nearly all the young men go. So I had multiple role models and examples and people that I looked up to who had gone and it was just a natural thing. When I turned 18, when I am 19, I didn't have to ask myself, okay, am I going to go? That's right, we've got one of to go on another, made a long another short ago.
2: break. If you would like to come back, I'll talk to you for another five minutes on the other side.
0: All right.
1: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher, Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish she will cover the practical simplicity slowing down reducing clutter putting the brakes on materialism the historical how have the amish survived for 400 years how can we hold on to what we hold dear and the spiritual treasuring important values honoring the past and increasing peace of mind you don't have to become amish to make personal peace a reality amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish Wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, on Toginet.com. Goals, objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach Carmen Carroza can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style along with an innate ability to form connections with people gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network you will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenney.
2: Spencer, did you make any Vivian. Brazilian? Did you make any Brazilian friends?
0: Oh, I have dozens. I have dozens, and it's a really great thing living in modern society. My dad has lost most of his contacts, but through email and Facebook, I actually still have contacts with all of the actual companions I had, and then many, many of the people that I met there. i I still communicate with them weekly.
2: Well good, good. So it was successful for you. Fantastically. And tell me about sightseeing. You can't it can't have just been all work.
0: Did you get tell an about option?
2: What? Were you able to sightsee? Sightsee.
0: I was able to sightsee a little bit, yes. Um, where I was, again, we are divided into areas and the times when you're allowed to leave those areas are pretty limited. Okay. But I did have the opportunity to see um, there's a Buddhist temple there, mm-hmm. there's, uh, it's called a, a Messianic Church, and they have a very interesting nature-based temple there. Um, I went to the Institute, the Bhutan Pan Institute, which is a snake museum and research facilities. It's where a lot of snake venoms are extracted for refinement of the pharmaceuticals all across the world, mm-hmm. um, so that was pretty. That was pretty interesting. Um, I wasn't. I, I wasn't either on the coast nor in the Amazon jungle. I was inland and south, so I didn't get to see the white beaches of Brazil. I didn't get to see the huge trees and thick forests of the Amazon. Um, where I was was really just normal rural, um, but I still got to go out and. There's one of the oldest cathedrals in the New World, in in the center of São Paulo. I got to see that. Um, There's definitely some interesting things in every city. Brazil is very, very Catholic, and they hold on to that heritage very strongly. Um, So in every city, in every town, the town is built around a large cathedral or at least a pretty significant church. And all of those were very interesting for us to go see. Now yeah, we are on a mission from another church, but it's still very interesting to go look at um, the design and the architecture and the history of these areas centered around those churches and the, the plains. And I had to there are some very beautiful things to see, in you know where we are.
2: So, did you have? Were you able to contact um, your family, or was this two years without any contact with your family?
0: Yes two years we had we could email every monday for 1 hour mm-hmm. we were allowed to send as many letters as we wanted and on mother's day and christmas we were allowed to phone home for 1 hour all right <laughs> so a total
2: immersion into another culture and into your mission and into your what you um you know, sort of, to help establish, you know, your your church abroad. That that is uh, wonderful. You gave up that two years, and now you're back. So, what are That's your plans? Right. What are your plans, really quickly here?
0: Okay, um, homeschooling has actually helped with all of that. It's helped me have the discipline and the learning capacity to get the language quickly to be able to go out and work so hard and so long every single day. Um, and now I'm back i have completed another semester at the community college i am Mm -hmm. currently taking uh six credits again at the community college just for the summer school Mm -hmm. uh i will be getting married actually exactly two weeks from today all right congratulations thank you very much
2: did you meet your future bride while you were in
0: brazil or not no no No. i met some very (laughs) lovely brazilian women And I am marrying an American. Oh, okay. (laughs) Her and I actually met at a homeschool dance, at a dance put on by the homeschool co-op is where we first met. All right. Okay. Okay. Well,
2: that's something we'll have to talk about another time, Spencer, because we've come to the end of our time together. And thank you so, so much for doing this. And um, tell your father. Thank you. All right. Tell your father hello from me. And you have a wonderful weekend,
0: All right,
2: Vivian, you too. Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was interesting, and um, I'm glad that I got to talk to Spencer today. It's always nice to speak to a graduated homeschooler and um, hear the story from a child's perspective. And uh, we were talking about computers, and You know, before I left America, I did buy myself a new MacBook Pro, and I'm loving it. It looks sleek, it feels sleek, and. In my cost, in my package, was a one-to-one class that I could take for a year where I can go into any Apple store in the world. And this was really important because I'm getting ready to head off to England to take classes about all things related to my laptop, as long as there was someone in the store who knew about what I wanted to learn. The closest store the last time I was here in England, which was last year, um, was in Covent Garden, which meant that I had to carry what started off as my light... computer, um, 40 minutes on a train to Victoria and then along the tubes and off the escalators and stairs and streets to have a one-hour lesson. And you know, I don't know about you, but when you start to carry something that's not very heavy, as time progresses, it just gets heavier and heavier. So imagine my delight when I noticed a brand new Apple store in Bromley, which is just a mere 10-minute bus ride away and only a short hop, skip and a jump to the mall. So I went off for my first session this week on iPhoto. Too. I've got... 10,000 photos in my iPhoto. And from the look on my one-to-one guy's face, I thought he was going to tell me to ditch some of them. But instead, we worked on creating a new iPhoto library. He was friendly. He used to have a radio show too, he said, something to do with music, I believe, because he said he was also a dyed DJ. But he got tired of that, decided to settle down with Apple. And as far as all my other questions on iPhoto about printing and editing, he had to admit that although Mac was so super good at organizing photos by face, by event, by location, by month. Even the convenience of iCloud, it was not the best vehicle for any kind of modifying, including getting the digital albums on paper for frames and such. <coughs> and that's what I had been thinking all these years, but I thought it was just me. So I'll have to continue Editing and printing the way I always have, with the generous help of my knight-errant and his PC. I'm so glad I didn't have to pay any money for that clarification. Well, I did pay money up front, but it covers a whole year, so depending on how much I use it, it might come out to next to nothing. So, my next training session is going to center around GarageBand, which is an editing program that comes already installed on my computer. And I've never used this, so I won't be coming in with any preconceived ideas about how I want it to work. Well, I do know how I want it to work, so maybe that's a preconceived idea. Anyway, we're still trying to get our heads around the massive reality that we sold our house in Dallas. As I was walking this week, I'd look at houses, those being remodelled or extended, those with immaculate exteriors, and i think, we could have stayed and done that to our house, kept it forever and not sold it. Then I'd chide myself, we're wanting to move into the country, get some space, create a haven from the world. Does that sound like idealism? Who said it's the purview of the young? We're looking forward to going back and realising our dream, but first we have to sell the flat. We've had Lots of people looking. It's that time of year when the sun strays from between the clouds and folk hop into their cars and make the rounds of properties for sale just in case something catches their eye and they just have to have it. We've noticed the younger crowd. Those who work in the city and have a particular look in mind, high-tech, crisp, clean. Now, we could spend some money and happily make our flat at Three High Cliff look like that so that anyone walking through our front door goes, wow, who would have thought from the outside? We're creative, but we're selling and we want to do it fast. So I don't really want to spend the money or take the time to lovingly do it up some of the feedback has been too much work or decided to go for the flat in better condition as if we're living in some derelict dump which we're not it's quite a challenge to sell property here especially when the agent asks you to show the prospective clients around we can actually be here while the client's looking around It's a bit scary one lady asked me if the curtains were included and I said yes and she said well I don't want them <laughs> so why did she ask? it starts to get personal We may compromise and paint the wallpaper, which seems to be off-putting, but we've ordered a duvet and new covers for the beds, and it's the living room furniture that has my skin crawling, because we sold it all or took stuff back to America with us. But um, we need to look for something, but so far, no luck. So we're putting flowers, we make sure it's clean, we light candles, and we hope the sun comes out. And the inconvenience of having people come in, you know, you've got a quick run around with a duster and a mop when you're in the middle of doing something or on the way out the door. One of the agents called on Friday last week to make an appointment for 10.30 on a Saturday, for goodness sake. I said it was a bit early. She could come after 11. But they called back later on and said it had to be 10.30. And we said, OK. And you know what? They showed up 20 minutes early. My gentleman stayed and he did the honors and my daughter and I kind of ran out we were ready but we weren't completely ready and uh, later we found out that she had made an offer somewhere else on another place so we're sort of thinking that if people are interested enough then they'll make an offer and no one's done that yet so obviously the right person hasn't been through the door and I've got to go now. My time has come to an end and I've, I've managed it without a coughing fit and I feel as though I need to take a rest. I'm drained. This weekend is Open Garden in London, which means all the little squares with gardens are open to the public plus the roof gardens. and um, So we're going to take a walk around those as the weather is supposed to be good. You may go to Bath during the week before the holidays start in earnest. And I also want to take a trip to Stratford-on-Avon before seeing a play at the Globe. I'll shoot you an email of fun and educational things to do in England with your family, Tina, I promise. And I'll be back same time, same place next week with more adventures from London. That's Friday at noon in Texas or 6 p.m. here in Merriold. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff of Tokenet Radio, my guest this week, Spencer Farris, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Rosemary, Kathy, Simon, Lindsay, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Just stay tuned in to Tokenet all the time. Catch lots of great shows. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Doop, 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 doodle, doop. You have a great weekend.
1: Thank you for joining us for the sociable homeschooler with Vivian McNenny on.